0: Welcome to the Mommy Oyoyo Podcast. Mommy Oyoyo is a platform for the modern African woman to talk about anything and everything related to motherhood in today's world. Join me, Berry Dakara, every week as we tackle the good, the bad, the ugly, the highs, the lows, the wins, the losses, and everything else in between. Mommy Oyoyo is your plug for real life gist and experiences about being a mother African style. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of the Mommy Oyoyo Podcast. This is episode 52 and as usual, it's me, Barry Dakara, and I am so excited to be presenting this episode in particular to you guys. I mean, when I got in contact, well, when I was told by my guest in episode 48, that was uh, my episode with that where he talked about being a girl dad and actively um, parenting his daughter um he told me i think i casually mentioned to him that you know i'm looking for a guy uh, an african guy who's had a vasectomy and a couple of days later he called and i was like hey i think i might have someone for you i literally was jumping up and down like i was driving <laughs> I was driving um after dropping off Coco at daycare and I was driving and he called and told me and I was jumping in my seats like oh my goodness yay thank you thank you thank you so much um so yeah I was just really really excited to speak with my guest today his name is Folabi and it's just um it's it's just really really exciting and enlightening to have an African man Um, who not only has gone through a vasectomy, but is willing and happy to share his experience. There's a lot of um, ignorance and misinformation that's out there, um, and a stigma as well that's out there that prevents a lot of men, African men, um, from going through this procedure. And apparently, um, there was a UN report from 2013 that showed that only zero point one percent of African men I think it was zero point one percent or zero zero point zero one either way it's a very very small number of African men that see vasectomies as an option for family planning the, the 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 bulk and majority of any family planning um um procedures falls on the African woman, and I think that it's very important to um Bring this conversation out there, to, you know, for the men who um might consider this, or you know, even even if they're not considering it, at least have that awareness that this is an option. So I'm really, really thankful to have found Fallabi um, and our convers our conversation is really, really um. It was very, very interesting and I really enjoyed speaking with him. And I hope that you also enjoy this episode as well. And please share it far and wide, far, 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 far and wide. I would like to, before I get to the episode itself, I would like to celebrate that we have reached over 8,000 listens on the podcast I thought that I would get to 8,000 by the end of the month, but I reached it. We reached it last week, Friday or maybe, yeah, it was Friday or Saturday, I believe. So thank you everyone who's listening. Thank you everyone who's sharing. You guys are doing me such a huge favor and I'm confident that we'll get to 10,000 before the end of the year. Okay, I'm going to stop talking now so that you guys can listen to this very, very interesting conversation. Falabi was really forthcoming with information. He talked about why he decided to go through a vasectomy. He talked about the after effects of the procedure, you know, because a lot of men feel like, oh, I'm not going to be able to have sex anymore. Oh, I won't be able to get it hard. Oh, whatever. Anyways, Falabi addressed all of that <laughs> and more. And I really hope you guys enjoy our conversation and go ahead and share. And also, if you like this conversation and you have not yet rated Mommy Oyo Yo Yo podcast on whichever platform you're listening on, whether it's Amazon or Apple or Google or Spotify, whatever it is, please go ahead and rate and leave a review as well. I'd also push you to do one more thing for me. If you are on Instagram or Facebook, just type a little note saying, "Hey, I just listened to this episode of the Mummy Oyo Yo Yo Podcast. I think you guys would like it too as well." And just share it with your friends on Facebook, Instagram, and I would also say Twitter. Oh my gosh, Twitter! Please share it on Twitter and also and let's do WhatsApp as well. So, uh, yeah, okay, I'm done talking. Bye, love you. Hi, Fabi.
1: How are you? Hey, Anita. How are you?
0: I am Uh, doing pretty well. What's going
1: on? uh, Not much. I am excited to be talking with you and to be featured on your podcast. I feel like I've made it. Uh, (laughs) Yeah! So I'm eager to, you know, to dive into our topics and, you know, to share a little bit about my story with your audience. And uh, yeah, so I'm very excited. So thanks for having me.
0: Thank you very much. You're the third guy that's been on this podcast in what, like 50 something episodes now. So it's an honor. It's an honor. Yay.
1: I am yeah. happy to be representing for the men here. And Thank I, I hope more men, more men will come in uh, and, and be part of your your awesome podcast. So yeah. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. So for the audience, for the mommy Oyoyo audience. Falabi, could you please introduce yourself to uh, tell us a little bit more about you, your family life, your um, career, if you do anything on the side, hobbies, whatever. Anything you want to tell us, you can tell us.
1: Okay. Uh, My name is Falabi Lawal. Uh, I am Nigerian-American. I was one of the lucky ones that I was born here. I was born in Houston, Texas, but I left Houston at about a year old. Uh, I moved to Nigeria with my mom. And uh, I lived in Ikeja, number eight Oguni Street, uh, Ikeja. And so I, I did primary school and secondary school in Nigeria. Um, I went to Federal Government College in Loring in Kwara State. And um, I came back to the U.S. for my college years, and I've stayed in uh, in the U.S. since then. Uh, career-wise, I'm in the military, so I'm a captain in the army, and I work. Uh, I primarily, I'm a project manager uh, for a military government agency, a Department of Defense agency. And yeah, so that's been good. Um, I'm looking to make a career out of it. Uh, it's. I know what is expected of me. I know what I'm required to do. Uh, the steps for me to be able to progress in my career are easily identifiable. So, uh, And the benefits are not bad at all. So Uh, I'm enjoying my military career and what it's afforded me. Um, On the side, I'm looking to get into uh, government contracting because I live here in Washington, D.C. And so this is a good space. This is a good place for that. Uh, I, along with my neighbors, uh, created an LLC to start a vending machine business. Uh, This was pre-COVID. And so... (laughs) COVID kind of affected us in a way, so we are now looking to kind of pivot and, you know, be more, uh, actually look for contracts online for people to come in that would want to be interested in the vendor machine business, because normally we would go up, talk to people, you know, so go to hotels, go to restaurants, go to laundromats and things like that. So, uh, so yeah, still trying to work on that. But, uh, yeah, I'm 36 years old. Uh, More about me, Uh, I am married, Um, been married for about six years now, Uh, I met my wife uh, in November 23 or 24, well, my wife and I went on our first date of November 23 or 24, 2010, we met a couple of months before that, and I got married in uh, 2014, I've got two beautiful boys, um, Isaiah and Noel. Isaiah just turned five July 31st. And my youngest Noel just turned uh, two years old uh, August 3rd. And then my wedding anniversary is on August 8th. So,
0: oh, Wow, what's a celebration.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I've got two kids. i uh, married. And yeah, I, I love being a husband, love being a father. It's one of my, my greatest joys. And uh, I'm happy to be able to come and kind of share you know, what what parenthood and what being a family man means and, and you know within the scope of, you know, your podcast and uh your audience. So again, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. Um what does what does fatherhood mean to you? Um what has been your general approach towards um raising your, your boys?
1: So, you know, when I think about fatherhood, I you know, I can only help but um speak about things based from like my perspective, but also as like a, being raised like an, as a Nigerian man. And so when I think about fatherhood, I think about like your typical Nigerian or African parents. And, you know, we have fathers where think, or who, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's culture, we want to call it culture, or we want to call it the scope of how things were in Nigeria felt like, hey, my role as a father is to go out there and hustle and go work hard and just bring money. And that's all that matters. I need to be able to provide for my family, money, 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 money. And you know, if my wife is going to be home, or I'll have a housemaid or house help, you know, or caretaker, and they could take care of the kids. I just need to be out there and work. And I think for me, I missed, uh, you know, I don't ever remember my dad, you know, teaching me how to ride a bike or doing all, t- t- teaching me how to not a tie or things like that. So when I think about uh, fatherhood, I think about being present. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be present for my kids. I want them to look up to me as a role model. Um, I want them to be able to advise them throughout their life and give them the best of, of whatever it is. I want to be able to work hard enough that if my son decides that he wants to be a painter, that he actually goes and becomes a painter and is not worried about, oh, man, I, I can't afford this kind of a lifestyle. You know, so uh, fatherhood means being present. It means being able to be there for my kid, uh, being supportive. Uh, of their dreams, their aspirations, uh, their goals, and uh, just being there. You know, uh, my kids—they don't want—they don't want anything but just to go outside for me to be there and spend time with them. So, uh, so yeah, I'm enjoying—I'm enjoying that, and uh, yeah, just again looking to for them to look up to me as their role model. I don't need them to look up to anyone else. Uh, look up to me, my family, people within our network. Um, and yeah, being able to just guide them, uh, to a better tomorrow, a better future. I want them to have a better life than I have.
0: And I'd mm-hmm. say
1: that my life was terrible, but they should do better. They should be able to do better than, than I did.
0: Yeah. I think all of us as parents want our children to be better and to have better than we did, um, in our lives. So thank you very much for, for sharing. Um, so you've got two boys. Yes. And my next question is, Was that did you only want two children like from the get-go, or did you have that um, conversation with your wife, or it just kind of happened as things came along, do you want more children? <laughs> did you ever want more children?
1: So uh, I come from, uh, so, so I'm an only child. Ah. Um, my grandfather had uh, a number of wives. So I've got a ton of I've got tons of cousins and other family members. Uh, my grandmother herself had five kids. So tr- I come from a typically uh, large family. All my aunts and all my uncles have at least four or five kids. Uh, and so being an only child was not what I was looking for. I, I did not enjoy, especially being an only child growing up in Nigeria. That was not fun at all for me. Um, and my wife is one of seven. Oh. Uh, yeah, so she's number five of seven. And when we met, I, I said I wanted five kids of the rip. I was I was shooting for five. Uh, I was like, being an only child sucked. I did not enjoy it. People, you, you generally assume, oh, if you're only child, you're spoiled, or whatever. I was like, nah, I grew up in Nigeria. I went to boarding school. There was no spoiling there. <laughs> Uh, I had to do everything you know so no so I wanted five uh, my wife said absolutely not I've, I come from a large family and I kind of know what that's like and she said mm, how about we do three so we negotiated three and we agreed on three and then I had my first and I was like woof, this is exciting but woof! this is a lot of work uh, I said man my gosh this is a lot of work but I was adamant about not being, not having just one kid, you mm-hmm. know, because I just wanted a different kind of experience. I think uh, just as humans, I think we're built for partnership. I think that's why marriage works. It's like we're built for community. And so I wanted my my son to be able to have someone to play with or just a brother or a sister. So we got number two. And I, once my number two, once Noelle came, I said, oh, my God.
2: <laughs> this is a lot
1: more work than I thought. Uh, so after number two, I said, babe, I I think I'm I'm okay with two. And she <laughs> said, Well great. Uh, because my wife is uh what, at the time when we had my son, she was what, thirty eight. Uh so I'm 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 younger. My wife is about based on the time of the year, four or five years older than I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she was like, well, great. I don't want to have any more kids past 40. So that works for me. So I'm like, okay, great. So that's that, how that we ended up. the one
0: after my own heart. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, they come, she said, they come, they take your body, you know, your body stretches, different things kind of happen, things move out of place. So she says, yeah, I, I don't want to have any more kids after 40. And I said, well, I'm okay with two myself. So. Uh, We had that agreement and we settled on two, And that's how I went from five to three to two.
0: Awesome. (laughs) I totally understand where she's coming from. I'm 38. I'm going to be 40 in two years. And um, I have just one daughter now. And, you know, sometimes I look at her and I'm like, I wish I could have another child, you know, soon so that you have someone to play with, right? Right. Um, because I see her when she plays with her cousins. And when they go home, you know, she's really sad and everything. She knows how to play by herself though. Right. Um, but then I, I, I feel bad when sometimes when I look at her. But then there's the flip side of children are work. <laughs> children they are a lot of work. I <laughs> children agree. are a lot of work. It's very challenging um uh, to be a parent and then to be a single parent like I am as well. So uh I'm 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 in that. I'm on this fence here, like, hmm, what do I want to do? I'm going yeah. to in two years. I better, I don't know, <laughs> if I'm going to have another child in the next two years, <laughs> then well, I finish this divorce and meet somebody and get married. I don't know, long story.
1: Well, God has to usher that man in pretty quickly and get him to sweep you off your feet and take all the necessary steps.
2: <laughs> God, oh that's okay please
1: but but anything is anything is possible and i mean i think we just we didn't even cover like we didn't even go much deeper into like what affects the number of like people wanting to have two to three to four i mean i i think in addition to like thinking okay i want two kids i started thinking about like the financial the financial aspect of it yeah you know i want to be able to ensure that my children have uh rich memories you know I was able to go to like South Africa with my family so you know I I took two kids my wife and I that's four we took my mother my my mother-in-law with us to be able to provide some assistance that's five you know so that's five kids luckily you know my youngest wasn't two years old yet so you didn't have to pay for a ticket for her but just imagine if you have five kids and you want to go on vacation
2: just think about
1: like the kind of financial burden that's going to be I've got a colleague at work who's italian and he has six kids he has to drive everywhere you know he lives here in maryland and his family uh he's got some family all the way in miami so every time he wants to see them he can't fly because it's just too expensive so he has to drive so you think think about like the financial aspect of how kids i mean how much kids cost you know based on where you are you know, the quality of education? Do you want your kids to go to public schools? Do you want your kids to go to private schools? You have to consider that factor as well. And now, uh, in this uh, pandemic that we're in, if you've got three, four, five kids, and you don't have a caretaker, how are you, what time do you have to make sure that they're academically enriched? You Mm -hmm. know, what time do you have for yourself to actually do your job, your regular nine to five or whatever it is, you know, be a husband or be a wife, you know, and then, oh, handle house matters. Oh, and then, oh, you got to take care of children. I've got two kids now and I'm not getting a lot of work done, (laughs) you know, because they want to play. I need to teach them stuff. They need to read. They want screen time. They want to go outside. They want to go outside again. And then they just want to be all over you because we're home. Oh, and then, or oh, you gotta cook dinner, or lunch, or prepare meals. So it's just, I think people have to be able to uh, think object- objectively. I think the Nigerian way is always, ah, children only need, uh, only need, uh, only need your time. Yes, that's that's true. You know, God will provide money and all the other good stuff. But uh, I think in in today's world, we have to factor all those things because you want to, you want them to be well equipped for for the future. You want them to be well equipped for, for their livelihoods or for what's out there. So I think when you think about all those factors, I mean, if you're in a financial space where money is not a thing and you can hire help, then sure. But I think if you maybe are not at that space here, you want to be, do you have family around? You need to be asking yourself, do you have, fa- do I have family around that can help take care of my kids or babysit? You know, if I, in case I feel burnt out or wherever the case might be, you know, so Yeah, so I think all those things are added to, you know, more was part of the reasons why, you know, we, when we thought about just two, we thought, okay, yeah, this is, this is definitely the decision for us.
0: Okay. Yeah, of course, it is your, you guys' personal decision. Um, I mean, obviously, there are people out there who have five, six, seven on TV, isn't like 14 children? Some people have. (laughs) I don't know how, but I mean, hey, do you. You know, something I like to say is, um, well, I say motherhood is not one size fits all. But since I'm talking to you, it was going to be, parenthood is not one size fits all. So, you know, you do what is good for your situation. Yes. Um. So, you decided it's just two children you're having. Yes. Who got the snip snip?
1: Oh, I did. And happy to report that I did. <laughs> uh, best decision I ever made. Best
0: decision. Um,
1: uh, so it's, there's, it's such a joy. I, I, there's an immense amount of joy that I have knowing that, you know, after, uh, sharing into some intimacy with my wife, that there isn't a scare of maybe, Oh, my period is late. Or, or any of that kind of talk. So I'm very excited about it. Uh, do not regret it at all. And I will, I, I am a strong advocate for it. Uh Ooh, amongst, okay. So amongst I'm- my.
0: How did you guys get to, to to the decision of you? Did you offer or did she say, listen, I don't want to go through another, you know, surgical procedure, you know, another or any procedure after having two children? Like, how did you guys come to that point where it's like, you know what, I'll do it?
1: So I, I offered. Um, I think I got to the point where I knew that I did not want another kid. Like we had agreed that, yeah, we were okay. And so we have this okay yeah so so i i I talked to a few of my colleagues and they said oh well we had a we had a vasectomy and i said oh how was that process for you and they pretty much talked me through the process and so i went to my wife and i said hey we don't want any other kids and i i'm just going to have a vasectomy and she said are you sure and i said yeah i'm sure she said you know it's permanent right like there's no coming back from it And i'm like yeah And she, I think when she saw that I was committed to it, um, then she just challenged me to do the proper research. And, um, you know, if I was still comfortable with it, then she was okay with me following through with it.
0: Were you afraid at all? Uh,
1: No. I I mean, I think when you consider it, like some of the questions that come out as like, oh, you know, some of the things that, you know, people project on you or even you yourselves, you think is like, oh, you know, uh, what if we don't end up being together 10, 20, 10, 20 30 years down the line? God forbid. I, I mean, I think people think, oh, you know, God forbid. What if a child passes away and then you want another kid? Mm. Uh, but, you know, I don't feel like you can live in, in that kind of a space. You can't think negatively. I know that I don't want any any more kids. She knows that she doesn't want any more kids. and And I jokingly say to her and I said, listen, if my vasectomy is not proof to you that I love you and that this marriage is till death duels, I mean, if our marriage alone is not a proof to you that I love you until death do part, 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 let this vasectomy be evidence that I am not trying to leave you or go anywhere else. So for me, it was a no-brainer. I mean, I think about when you know my two kids, uh, my wife had a C-section. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, when I, and I was in the, I was in the room and I just, the first C-section wasn't so bad, uh, but the second C-section, it was a lot tougher. And so I think, you know, subconsciously when I thought about that, I did not want my wife having to go through another procedure, get her tubes tied or anything like that. So for me, uh, getting a vasectomy was like a no brainer. I was like, nah, you've already done enough. You've birthed two children. Uh, Mm -hmm. This is a small thing in the grand scheme of things. And I know people that have done it. They had had done successfully. They don't have any issues. So for me, it was a it was a no-brainer at that point.
0: What what is the procedure like? I think a lot of men, especially African men, like you think about, oh my God, it's going to be so painful. And oh I won't be able to perform afterwards and things like that. So like what was the procedure like for you and I guess the results afterwards?
1: Yeah. So All right. So because I'm in the military, um, to be able to get that procedure done, you have to wait about three months. So once I once my I, of course, waited till my child was born and healthy before I went ahead with the procedure. And so once that happened, um, you know, I contacted my VA hospital and said, hey, I want to get a vasectomy. And so I initially have to go through some kind of counseling. So I went to the hospital. Um, They sit you down with a urologist. Uh, And so was myself and a few other gentlemen in the room. Uh, We watched like a presentation that kind of explained the medical procedure. Hey, um, you know, the doctor is going to come in. The uh, the urologist is going to cut your vas deferens. Your vas deferens is what carries sperm into your urethra. And then, you know, it mixes up with your semen. And then, you know, it goes into your wife, your lady, and then that's how she gets pregnant. They cut the vas deferens and then they seal it. And you're pretty much good to go. So we watch this little class. Um, they ask us a bunch of questions. Hey, are you being pressured into doing this? Do you understand that this is this is a a permanent sterilization that you cannot go back from this. Uh, or if you want to go back, it's usually more costly, and the the likelihood of you being able to reverse it is not as strong as you know before you do it. So, you know, they sit you through all this, Um, you know, you get a phone call consultation after you leave, maybe about two weeks or, you know, prior to, and uh, they say, hey, are you still on? You you know, like they're trying to confirm their their appointment, let you know, hey, if you want to cancel, you still have time to, Um, and then you, no, I said, no, I'm still good to go. And so I went to the hospital. Before you go, uh, you have to um, shave your scrotum. So your scrotum and um, uh, your shaft. Um, and so I got there. Uh, my doctor maybe was in his mid-50s. He'd been doing this for about 25 years. He's he a urologist. Uh, and people, you want to be sure that you, you are seeing a urologist. A uro- urologist is specialized in dealing with uh, like the, your urinary tract. So anything that has to do, you know, with that space, they are experts. They do have medical doctors that can perform a vasectomy, but you don't want to use a medical doctor. You want a urologist because that's their specialty.
2: Mm, okay.
1: So, um, so you know, so shaved my shaft and shaved my scrotum. I got to the hospital. My wife took me there. Uh, my wife and I went together, um, and I just pulled my pants down. I laid on the on the clinical. Um, bed, and uh, my doctor came in, uh, and he's like, hey, uh, do you mind if I listen to my music? And I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay. Yeah, so,
1: yeah so, uh, so the nurse comes in, um, the nurse comes in, and she puts like a little pad uh, thin under your, under your butt, and uh, she examines you, make sure, you know, you're shaved. If you haven't shaved, they'll shave you, make sure you're okay. And uh, so I'm just laying there with my pants down. And uh, the doctor comes, hey, can I listen to my music? I'm like, yeah, sure. I don't care. Uh, so he's listening to iTunes, you know, some kind of soft rock, lots of guitars and heavy bass. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then he confirms that I am here to get a vasectomy. And I say, yes, I am. OK. And he just kind of talks me through it. Hey, I'm going to make a small incision on both sides of your scrotum. I'm going to go in with this little tool here I'm gonna put inside of you I'm gonna snip your vast I'm gonna snip your vast deference and then I'm gonna like sew it stitch it back together like they've got like a I'm not a medical medical expert but it's like a little fire thing. I don't want to say Mm it's fire but it kind of like seals it together.
0: Was there anesthesia?
1: There okay yes sorry there is anesthesia um so it feels like you know like you know how you go to the dentist and it puts something in your gum and it's like it was very quick. You know, like there, so. Yes, he did put anesthesia. It's injected into your scrotum, and like by the time he kind of to ten, he was doing something. Do you feel that? Do you feel that? I'm like, no, I don't. So once he injected the anesthesia into my scrotum, he just kind of make two very small incisions on uh, on the side of my scrotum. He went inside, he sni uh, he cut my vas deferens, and then uh, he sutured like the little cut, and then just just kind of stitched me back together, and uh, That was it. I was out of there in about 15, maybe no more than 20 minutes, and I was awake. uh, You can opt to be put to sleep. Some people do, Uh, but with that, you—I mean—you'll need a lot more anesthesia so that you're knocked out. But it's like if you could be awake. So I was rather intrigued. I was just kind of looking at like this is kind of crazy. Like, but yeah, it took me 15 to 20 minutes. Um, They advise you to come wearing tidy whities or something that can give you support because they don't want your uh, your scrotum to just be hanging. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, they'll give you like ice. So, you know, I had like tidy whities on and then they gave me like a little bag of ice rolled up in like a piece of cloth. And so I just put that underneath to serve as support. Um, they advise you that you should not be, you should not do anything strainers for three days. Uh, my wife wanted to be extra careful made sure I didn't do anything for a week. So I was enjoying not doing anything for a week. I was like, <laughs> I was on bed rest for a week. You know, I did nothing. I had everything brought to me. I was Breakfast well taken care Lunch in
0: bed, yeah. dinner in yeah. bed, everything in bed.
1: Everything in bed, you know. And you know, you you can't like, you know, I had I had kids then, so you can't carry the baby because that's like pressure you're putting. So I was just in bed rest for a week. But honestly, by the third day, I was good to go. Uh, you know, I could have walked, I was walking around, but, you know, my wife wanted to take extra precautions. So um, she let me like relax for a week. And um, once that was over, I was back to work. Um, They do recommend, so I do have to say this, um, you will feel like a slight pain in like your abdomen and like your stomach area. It's kind of like for men, we know what this feels like to maybe kind of like get kicked in the scrotum but not very hard so like you have a child and they're playing you know and they just kind of smack you down know, there that yeah. kind of small pain you kind of feel it for a little bit um, and so you maybe feel it for like two to maybe three two to three weeks but after a while it goes away. so because I'm in the military I'm I need to maintain some level of physical fitness so I have to run so uh, it'd been two weeks and I hadn't run and so I, I went out for a run. And so I was able to run, but, you know, you've got things flopping, slapping your thighs and going back and forth. So it's like, ah, uh, okay. You still kind of, I felt kind of like a little bit of a nudge. So, but by the time it was four weeks later, like, you know, a month later, I was fully good to go. I was able to run. So it does take time for you to be all the way fully healed. Uh, but, you know, it was a safe, seamless procedure. Uh, I'm, obviously I'm talking to you because I'm an advocate for it. Uh, but you know something uh, you talked about was you know how does it affect your performance listen I mean I I think men should all know and women know by now that what affects your performance is like how healthy you are you know hormones you know are you depressed are you happy your level of physical you know are you in shape or are you not in shape those things you know are you depressed or are you happy you know those things affect your 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 performance having a vasectomy does not affect your performance at all um and so yeah my thing is fine you know it's they're cutting your vast deference. they are not touching any blood vessels they're not doing anything like that so i'm firing i'm firing the same you know one of the things that was concern concerning to me you know before i was fully educated was "Ah, am i gonna am i gonna like orgasm like right yeah this is the best part like orgasm is the best part and i don't want to cheat myself (laughs) out of that and yes you still orgasm because your 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 you have semen uh, i mean you have uh yeah you have semen come out but you're just not having sperm come out so you're still going to come for lack of a better word you're still going to orgasm it's just that your orgasm doesn't have any semen in it
0: is also is as before still
1: nothing has okay. changed okay nothing has changed uh also once you have a vasectomy uh-huh. Another fun part. This is one another enjoyable part. You uh you have to ejaculate. Uh, my generally like urologists would say maybe fifteen to twenty times. Because what happens is you still have sperm in your body. So you know even after the vasectomy it doesn't mean that the sperm is out. You have to be able to ejaculate about fifteen to twenty times. General urologists will say. My urologist told me about thirty or forty times just because he wanted me to be on the safe end.
0: That's so before having sex.
1: Uh, No, so you can So you can That ejaculation period could be you Having sex with your wife, but you just have to have Some level of protection
0: Okay, because you could still get her You could still have gotten her pregnant in that
1: Yes, because you still get her pregnant So what happens is, you know You can either say you're going to use a condom Maybe she's, you masturbate Whichever way you get in the the, the, You're flushing your system, getting the sperm out uh, Whichever way you want to go about Doing that, you do, but after you do, after you ejaculate 20, 30, however, however many times, you you have to go back to the urologist with a sperm sample. So you discharge in a bottle, um, you take it to the doctor, and then they test it out and make sure that the sperm count in your, uh, in your semen um, is zero. And then they give you the thumbs up and say, hey, you could go ahead back home. So for me, I didn't go back because it was just crazy. I'm just like, listen, I have to ejaculate into like a little bottle and take it to the hospital. That's too much. So I, between my wife and I, we felt like, listen, you've, you've, you've come enough. So we think, we think, we think you're good to go. So, and yeah, we didn't go back because we were more than convinced that I had, I had got it all out of my system. And so, um, yeah, so that's and I, and that happened uh, uh, November. I think either November or December of 2018. And so we've been good. We've been good since then. Um, so yeah, guys, it doesn't affect you. It doesn't affect how you fire. Uh, nothing changes. Um, the volume of you know your uh, of your semen is still pretty much the same. I can't tell. I can't when I you know I can't tell that I that it's it's less or is more. Mm-hmm. um and so like urologists would tell you that you know it's a very small like semen like to be able to get a woman pregnant you know you have semen and then you have sperm and so what they tell you is even though you're cutting off the sperm it's not noticeable when you when you're discharged like you can't really tell that right. by the volume you know and so people you know and other questions like friends of mine have asked this, so where does the sperm go well, the sperm is absorbed by your body like every other be- cell in your body, right? So your body is a machine that renews itself. Cells die and cells are renewed on a daily basis. It's the same thing that happens. The Your sperm just gets absorbed by your body. That's it. It's not bad for you. It doesn't do anything to you. It's not going to make you weird or whatever that whatever the misconceptions are about it. It's just gets absorbed by your body and, and that's it so uh so that form of vasectomy that i had is the traditional vasectomy uh there i think um now well even in the past but what was what what was available to me was the traditional form of vasectomy um i think now they even have uh, vasectomies where they don't even cut you right so there's like a little there's like a it's like a little needle for lack of a better word they put it into your I mean, of course, they'll they'll spray you. They have something that they'll spray your scrotum with. It numbs it. It'll feel like, I guess, like a mosquito bite or whatever. It's just like a quick ting, quick tingly feeling. Um, and then they'll inject your scrotum with it. And then they'll pull out your vas deferens. Uh-huh. So where your scrotum is, is a very stretchy skin. Like your scrotum is very stretchy. So they'll pull your vas deferens out on the outside and they will kind of, they'll cut it and they'll suitor it. So that, this, the little thing they used to suitor whatever, it's like a, you know, it's kind of like if you have like a th- piece of thread and you kind of burn it with like a, uh, with a fire and then yeah. it just, it seals it, it seals it and then they put it back in and that's it. You don't, and that, and you're done. They don't cut you. They don't, you don't need any bandaid. You don't need any tape or anything like that. So that form of vasectomy is also available to people out there. I just had the more traditional um, procedure. So again, with the traditional procedure, it takes about three weeks to maybe a month to like, be fully, fully good to go. Um, of course, once you have it, once you have the, the procedure done, you know you can't, I, as soon as I' done, I wasn't like engaging my, my wife like the next week. Mm-hmm. You know, like I waited about two and a half, maybe three weeks um, just to be, make sure that I, I was okay. Um, and then, you know, we, we were off. So.
0: Okay. Sweet. Thank you very much. Thank you very, very, very much. Um, now you mentioned that, um, a few of your colleagues talked to you about them having the sex abuse beforehand. And yeah. I think you just mentioned as well that, um, you've had the conversation with friends. Yeah. So, um, What kind of reaction did you get from people? Did you talk to people beforehand or or was it just afterwards? And what kind of reactions did you get from guys primarily?
1: So uh, my African friends were like, oh, you are absolutely fucking crazy. And (laughs) my my non-African friends were like, yeah, I've done this before. Or I know someone that's done this before. And they were generally kind of supportive. I mean, my African friends were still supportive, but they were like, nah you go ahead and do that but I'm not doing it <laughs> and so but for me again I think like it, it all comes down to like what we what you value I mean I think as men you know we I mean I think we need to step up for our women you know and and be able to bear some of the responsibilities in family planning you know I've had friends you know in college or even outside of college in our adult lives who's girlfriend's were on, were on IUDs whose girlfriends or wives were on birth controls or who were wearing diaphragms and all these things and those things it mess I mean I had a friend whose, you know whose wife um, she was on an IUD and it just totally changed her mood swing she was not interested mm-hmm. in having she was not interested in having sex at all and so I think when you think about black women or just when I when I say black I'm saying African just black women in general. Black women have a higher percentage of having fibroids. Black women have a higher uh, high, uh affected when it comes to like having cervical cancer. Uh, so when you think about all these chemicals, all these things that you put in your body, it just hurts. It hurts the female body. Uh, not having a period is not normal. You know, like a period is supposed to cleanse your system. So uh, not having a period, I don't think is normal. I don't begrudge anyone that does it. But you know, I feel like it negatively affects women. And so, for me, uh, when I think about all those things, it just made my decision all the more easier. You know, so uh, yeah, so it was it, it was a, it was a no-brainer. And I think you know, maybe for me it was it's easier. But you know, so for some people, it might feel like, hey, you know, you know, one of my friends said it's like a tattoo. There's a reason he doesn't have ta- tattoos on. And I say why? I said, because it's permanent. You know, like I asked for this, if I ask for a tattoo, it's never gonna leave me. And so they say, if I go have a, a vasectomy, it's permanent. I asked for that, If I can never change it, you know? And <laughs> you know, if you do have a vasectomy, you can reverse it. Uh, it is a little bit more costly to reverse. And it, uh, you know, it, it, the, the percentage of, of, of the reversal being effective, uh, you know, after a number of years, it comes into question. But it's something that you can do, and so what I said to my wife is, if we ever got drunk and decided that we wanted another kid, then uh, we would just do it. In, we would just do in vitro. We would have to be in a financial space where we could just go ahead and do it in vitro. But uh, I think, you know, when people think about vasectomy, it's much safer. Whether you're having a traditional vasectomy where you're getting, where your the uh, urologist is cutting into your your scrotum. Or you're just having a non-scapal vasectomy where they're just putting, they're pulling the vas deferens out. Uh, It's cheaper. It's not a major surgery. Uh, It's uh, it's very, very effective. Uh, My urologist said in 25 years, he had never had anyone come back. Ah, uh, to say they had kids. He had people come back to say, "Hey, they wanted to reverse the procedure because you know they want to now have kids." Mm-hmm. Uh, but never anybody that said, "You know, oh yeah, this didn't work." So yeah, so I'm a big advocate for 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 vasectomies because um, in the long run, it's cheaper. When you think about the cost of birth controls, of IUDs, or diaphragms, or all those things, um, a vasectomy could maybe cost from upward of maybe a thousand to three thousand dollars, depending on where you are. I didn't pay anything because my insurance covered it in full. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so when you think about price, cost, it's financially, uh, co- it's financially, it makes financial sound, uh, it's financially sound to do a, a vasectomy. I, uh, I think when you think about um, health reasons, it's safer. Uh, if a woman has to get her, her, her tubes tied, that's a major surgery. And then, you know, you got to think about like, is she in good health? Uh, you know after you've had babies you know your body changes if the woman is overweight then you know or she just has maybe pre-existing conditions uh, it limits it's it makes the surgery much tougher and it limits the effectiveness of it I mean it could happen and I mean a lot of women do it and they come out fine but you know if you if it's easier for you to do as opposed if it's an easier process for you which would maybe take 15-20 minutes why not just do it for women? If they're going to have your tubes tired, you're going to have to be put to sleep. Like it's yeah. a major yeah. surgery for you. So if you're a woman and you've had, you know, and you've had two kids, maybe you've had a vasectomy. I mean, maybe you've had a C-section or maybe you've had fibroids or maybe you've had gallbladder stones removed. You've had women have so much stuff going on with their bodies. I didn't feel like it would be right for me to let make my wife take on one more thing, mm-hmm. you know. so. I feel like I've lost where. I hope I've answered your question. I feel like I'm <laughs> yeah. i rambling at this point, but oh, no, yeah, no,
0: I just um, want the, the question was um, what, what reactions you got, especially from, from your men, but you did answer that question already. Yeah. Um, yeah,
1: and, and, and I'm in the military. So a lot of, I mean, because a lot of military folks that I know like, yeah, man, I got my kids out of the way I'm done. Yeah, we're good. We've had it done. So in the military space, a lot of, um, maybe older or mid. like I'm 36 so like my colleagues are 36 to like 45 and you know they've all had most of them have all had this done so when I brought it up it was very normalized uh but and again like my African colleagues my Nigerian friends you know African colleagues it's not some they don't know a lot of people that have gotten it done so when you talk about it with them uh it sounds like whoa but I mean if you look at the statistics about 500,000 Americans, uh, male, males in the U.S. get it done every year. So it's it's a very popular procedure, just not within our community itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's partly because, you know, if you go tell your mother or your mother-in-law, hey, I had a vasectomy. They're like, ah, your wife is a witch.
2: <laughs> eh?
1: oh, more. My... <laughs> your they say your wife is a witch. Why would she do something like that? God is the one God is the author and finisher of your fate. Why would you go and do something stupid like that? What did she give you to drink? eh have you gone mad? You know, so I think when you think about all those kinds of things, uh you know, like hey, what would my mom say but i mean i I've not shared this with my mom at all because first, I just think it's like. I don't think it's her I don't think it's her business you know I shared how much I spent on a wedding ring with my mom and she almost lost her mind so if she can't handle that or you know then I don't feel like this is any of her concern but also just because my mom is just like a typical Nigerian mother she's been having visions that uh, God is going to give me a daughter and I was just like okay I I, I keep telling her I I keep telling her very (laughs) I keep telling my mom in very subtle language that, mom, I'm done having kids and I don't want any more kids. She's like, nah, I saw it. I said, okay, keep praying. So, yeah. So I think when you think about like the family dynamic, like being that we're Nigerians and this is taboo, this is not culture,
2: you Mm -hmm. know. Uh,
1: Shoot, it's not, it's not even like, I mean, now it might be somewhat popular, but like even Nigerian men don't marry older women right so you know so like my wife is older than me and it's like what is going on here like you know so I think as men you know we have to be able to think look outside of our culture there's some parts of our culture that are great you know when you think of but there's some parts of our culture that are not so good and we should not be calling we should not continue those things or continue to call them culture so Yeah, so I think when we think about those kinds of things, like the reaction from friends, family, um, and I think people, men thinking that it affects our performance, it does not. Um, It's just your vast difference being cut. I think we could start to normalize it. Like Uh it's a safe, it's a safe procedure. It's cost friendly. And yeah, you know, it's a permanent solution to making sure you don't have any kids if you don't want any more. Um, So you have to be sure that this is what you want to do for sure. And if you do, then I absolutely stand by it. It's a great thing.
0: So why talk about it publicly?
1: Uh, I I, I, I think why I talk about it publicly is like, you know, like I said, just be able to like let people know Um, when I think about, like I said, at work, like my colleagues, African Americans, Italian American, white guys, uh, this is something that it's not. Uh, that's not taboo to them. They, this is like a free topic. This is nothing. Like this is not even like a head scratcher for them. So I think for me, it's just to kind of normalize it within our African community and let them know, hey, I'm African just like the rest of you. I've got African parents, you know. I lived in Nigeria. Maybe you think I'm um, Yankee, you know? He's a Yankee. He's not really one of us. Uh, I'm, I'm one of you guys, and it doesn't affect anything. Like. I feel like my performance is still great. My wife feels like my performance is still great. Yes, we had those kinds of questions, but after talking to people and doing the research on it, then we were confident that, you know, it would be okay. And I think, you know, that's important. I think people have to go out there and do the research. The research is what, do the research for yourself. I mean, you hear me talking about it, but talk to your urologist and see what they say. I think when you do the research, you're a lot more informed, and um, you uh, then you can make a make a conscious uh, decision. The my fear of getting this done was actually much larger than it was much bigger than the procedure itself. I think anxiety almost ate me up. You know, like oh my gosh, I don't know what it's gonna be like. uh, You know, leading up to the moment. But when I got there, and it was and we were done in 15 minutes. You know, like when I came out, my wife wasn't even in the waiting room. She had like taken a walk or something, and she's like, "Oh, you're done?" I'm like, "Yeah." She's like, "Damn, that was quick." You know, it's 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 such a, it was such a quick and painless procedure. So um, I think the more we're educated about it, the more we talk about it, the more people do it, and say, "Hey, I had it done and nothing happened and I'm okay." Then I think people will start to feel like, "Hey, this is actually not a bad idea towards family planning."
0: Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so very much. I really enjoyed hearing from you and hearing about your process and um, how everything has gone. Um, so just to close out the, our conversation, what would you like your children to say about you as a father when they're grown up and they're talking to their friends about you?
1: So, um, so earlier this year, my, uh, my son paid my wife and I like the highest compliment and he, we were in the kitchen doing something, and he looked at my my wife, and he said, "You and Daddy are great partners," and uh-huh. uh, and it just made me almost cry. Like uh, he was just talking about it, like uh, it just it was such a great feeling to hear my son think that my wife and I were great partners. So, uh, you know, when I, what do I want them to think of about me? I just wanted to know that I love them deeply, and that I was present. You know, that I'm in their lives actively. Um, you know, I I, I want to. I think my kids are cool, so uh, I enjoy hanging out with them. You know, we go for walks, we go to the park, uh, we play, we do everything together. Um, so I want him to be able to just say that you know my dad was there, and whenever I needed him to be, he was there to for to talk, to pray with me, whatever it is. You know, I think it's important that as men that we're present, and I think. Um, you know, in our household, we don't necessarily play to gender norms. You know, I want my my son to uh, to know that, you know, there isn't anything that he can't do. Uh, and there isn't anything that is just women do this and men don't do that. Like I do dishes. I clean up the house. I cook. You know, my wife puts up paintings in the house. We all do different things. And so I want him to grow up and know that, hey, being a man doesn't mean that you subscribe to some. Um, idea of what masculinity is. Masculinity shows itself in different forms. You can still be a manly man and be feel good about doing dishes or washing laundry or doing other things that people might maybe consider to be a task that women does. So uh, I want him to, yeah, I want him to grow up and just know that, you know, men provide, we care for, and, and we love and and, uh, and be a good citizen uh, of this of community. Um, so, yeah, so I think when I think about what I want him to think, in what light I want him to see me, and I think it would be in those that I loved, I cared for him, I protected him, and that I try to do good out there, um, whether it's voting at the elections, or whether it's, you know, helping someone that needed help, you know, and being respectful, you know, it's part of our culture, you know, being respectful is, is, is big as well. So, um, yeah, he's, we're big on manners. And so he knows that as well.
0: So. Thank you so much. I loved every single minute of this conversation. You have no idea. Like, I'm so excited. <laughs>
1: uh, no, no, no worries. You I'm know, it's, so funny that, it's funny that we're talking about this. My mother-in-law is, uh, she stopped by to help. She she stops by to help with our kids. Uh, so she's she's helping to put my son to bed. So I don't know if she heard any of this, but it'd be interesting to know once I get done talking with you, she says, hey, what did you do? I heard something. So, <laughs> Uh, so it'd be interesting, but I mean, there isn't any fear with them knowing, but you know, in the meantime, it's just like, hey, this is not one's business. Yeah. And
0: sometimes you know, it's so. just like, you know, I'm not sure if you can handle the things that I do. You know, your generation is different from my generation. Yeah. <laughs> like um, the, the episode I put out just last week, and then one coming up this week, I'm talking, we're talking about, I was talking to a sex coach. Right. Okay. And the night before the episode came out, I, I was just lying down in bed like, hmm, how will I promote this episode now? My dad is on Facebook. My mom <laughs> is on Facebook. My pastor is on Facebook. My aunties and uncles, they're all are on Facebook. My godparents are on Facebook. How will I promote this thing? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, know what? but you know, what's funny, we are bold. We are at whether it's a, whether you're a male or female, Nigerian, African, wherever. We are bold in every area of our lives, ex- except when it comes to our parents, and that's unfortunate because our parents they spend a you know they like to say ah I spent all this money to send you to school or I raised you this way they raise us to be free thinkers they raise us to be critical thinkers they raise us to be independent they raise us to not take shit from anyone except when except it comes to <laughs> Yeah. Except when it comes except when it comes to them. And uh, you know, I think as I've gotten older, I'm married now, I have my own family, I've had to change my thinking a bit. And so I don't necessarily look at myself as my mom's son anymore. I look at her as I have to parent her, right? I have to manage her. So when I deal with my mom, I think about like a boss, my boss at work and how i have to manage him because at times he's trying to drive me crazy and he's doing certain things that i don't necessarily like so there are things that i have put in place to help drive how he manages me so and so that's how i think about my mom or you know when she wants something i just think about hmm okay i've heard her i don't like that so how do, how can i get what it is that i want so you got i you got to look at them as like your children and you have to parent them and let them know hey no this is not how you raised me and just because it's not that part of the culture i i don't i don't subscribe to you know because my wife like ah you know yeah you mom yeah it's not gonna work and you know sometimes it brings about tough conversations mm-hmm. but uh eventually you know we are adults and they have to be respectful of us as well and i think if they really love us like we know that they do then they'll have to be you know they'll have to respect our thoughts our opinions and if they don't you know then we will move on with what it is that we'll we're move going on. To, I agree and to
2: disagree and move on yeah. move And then
1: hopefully, hopefully they'll come around but we can't always cower to them because whether we know it or not our children are internalizing that as well you know so
0: very true well, thank you very much, Fabi, for this very, very insightful, very engaging, very interesting, very everything conversation. I really enjoyed speaking with you. And shout out to Dapo for this introduction. Dapo.
1: Oh uh, yes.
0: but the real MVP. Fabi yes. yeah, is that MVP I... or too? But Dapo. No, 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 no.
1: Dapo is my. Uh, was, uh, he's my big cousin, and uh, yeah, he's a great guy, man. Uh, Learned, he's, you know, when he was doing, and when he introduced us, you know, I kind of talked about him, and you know, Doc Boy is just, he's just amazing at everything. is a business owner, and so you know, when I talk about like my kids looking up to role models, you know, I kind of think I always look within my family. When I look at Doc Boy, my son is in love with Michael Jackson. Doc Boy is like the best dancer that I know. So yeah. it's like okay, if it's dancing, you could look to your uncle Dakwa He's a business owner. You could look to your uncle Dakwa You know, he's gardening it. he's like, I'm seeing his like videos of like big old cucumbers and yep. all these yep. things he's growing. You can take inspiration from that. You know, he's baking with with my niece. You know, like cakes and all cookies and all those kinds. Of, so it's like when I think about like our family or what fatherhood is, it's that. You know, it's that same model. And I, that's what I want my son to see in me. And that's what I want my son to see in our family. You know, it's that it could be different and it could be fun and it could be enjoyable as well.
0: I'm sure some ladies want to find out if there are any single cousins left.
1: Uh, I, I, do, <laughs> I do have a single cousin. You know, I've got, uh, I've got. Yeah, yeah, I've got I've got a single cousin. There are more women in my family there than there are men. Uh, I don't want to say unfortunately because all the women in my family are. They all done big and great things, but yeah, we've we've got some cousins for them.
0: All right, okay, ladies, mommy or yo yo um, matchmaking service <laughs> coming to coming to a podcast near yeah, you.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we'll, right. we'll have to we'll have to block mommy and daddy first so they don't see any of these things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Thank you again so much. No I hope Thank you enjoyed the rest. Day. yeah definitely my pleasure my pleasure um enjoy the rest of your day and enjoy your beautiful wife and your boys and this was very very awesome thank you so much
1: thank you so much you enjoy the rest of the day as well And my regards to your kid
0: thank you thank you for listening to this episode of the mommy oyo podcast out of everything you could be doing you chose to spend the time with me and i am truly grateful Please follow us on social media at Mommy Oyoyo, which is M-O-M-M-Y-O-Y-O-Y-O. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Feel free to send us feedback and suggestions that way or via our email at mommyoyoyo at gmail.com. Also, subscribe to the Mommy Oyoyo podcast on your favorite podcast players. Rate and review the podcast. And finally, don't keep this goodness to yourself. Share the Mommy Oyo Yo podcast with your friends, your family, your co workers, and more. The Mommy Oyo Yo podcast, sharing experiences of African motherhood. Mommy Oyo Yo, Mommy Oyo Yo, Mommy Oyo Yo. See you next time.